0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Bulldog Alley Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 31st. I am your co-host, Cole Forsman, joined, as always, by Asher Ali. Uh, what's up, Cole? You know, not much, Asher. How about you? How's, how's life going? Uh, life's going, man. Uh, we're almost
1: getting this you know, I mean, it's definitely summer out here, uh, back in Spokane. Uh, I think that, like, it was still kind of light outside at, like, 9 p.m. last night, which was, like, crazy. I was like, whoa, like, this is so different than those, like, 4.30 days you have in the winter. I think it just get real, real dark quick. But, uh, no, I'm I'm loving it, and it's, you know, it's baseball season, uh, drafts coming up, so it's definitely uh, summer is here, and I'm, I'm ready for it.
0: Yeah, summer vibes are in full force. It's sunny. It's 75 degrees outside, so just, let's just get right into it. Um, big news today. Um, Out of Zags basketball, Razier Bolton uh, announced that he's going to withdraw from the NBA draft and return for his fifth year of eligibility at Gonzaga. Uh, Huge news. He started all 32 games last year, was a big part uh, in that Sweet 16 run. He led the WCC uh, three-point field goal percentage at 46%, averaged just over 11 points per game, Uh, all-conference honorable mention, um, kind of a sneaky under the radar move in the grand scheme of college basketball, but for the Zags team, uh, definitely huge. What, what are your sort of thoughts on that uh, and how the roster is shaping up now?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a pivotal move uh, for him to come back to Gonzaga for sure, because, you know, we were looking at when all five of Gonzaga starters from last season had declared and he was the last of them to declare on April 27th, I believe. We were not quite sure. I mean, we knew what the backcourt was going to look like if all of, if all of the guards had left, and we knew that Nemhard was, was out the door already just because of how those things work with eligibility and, dec- and declaring for the draft. But, you know, we looked at the backcourt, and it was like, you know, it's Hickman, uh, Hunter Salas, and it's Dominic Harris. And we see that, we're like, oh, wow, that's so much talent and potential right there. But not a ton of experience. Like the most experienced guard out of all of them at the collegiate level is Hickman. He's still only going into into his second year, so to return a guy like Hickman, or sorry, to return somebody um, like Bolton, who has now four years under his belt, and is heading to his fifth. Uh, a rangy three point shooter who you know wasn't the most active on ball player, I would say, for Gonzaga last year. But he knows the game. Like he knows the game so well. The way the, his ability to spot up in the right areas and, and find openings. Is quintessential to Gonzaga's offense, so um, to have to return that ability is crucial for the Zags. Uh, It's unfortunate just because I I don't think Bolton's draft prospects maybe look the best um, going into this year. But I think it was definitely more kind of a feel it out, kind of see you know where where do we fit in in the the, uh, scheme of getting drafted maybe for next season. So I think that was kind of something to you know get the temperature from Bolton for next year how it looks for him, and I think it looks good. I think if you just This year, if he returns and maybe is a little bit more aggressive on ball and you know is willing to you know take the ball up more and improve his strength, you know, handling and things like this. Um, you know, it the three point that you know it's it's a three-point game at the NBA level now. So um it's it's definitely essential that he you know walks down a few more skills and and proves that he's learned things. And both that will and then, but doing so will both help Gonzaga next season a lot and then also his draft stock too so um, I'm excited to see where he goes from here
0: yeah yeah it's interesting you bring up you know him as a ball handler because he wasn't really asked to do that last year of course with Andrew Nemhard on the roster but it's interesting because you know coach few loves his experienced guards guys who are smart who know how to take care of the ball and that is Razir Bolton but um you know we'll see if if his duties increase Uh, This next year with, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of inexperience in the backcourt. And I think that would that's that's that final step for him, I think, as a prospect as well to be able to handle the ball. It's someone at his size who doesn't, you know, jump off, you know, uh, jump off the page from his athletic profile. Um, But we know he could shoot. Um, He was a plus defender last year as well for his size. Um, You know, last year one of the most efficient players in all of college basketball. Uh, a, lot that, a lot of that had to do with, you know, comparatively from him at Iowa State, where he literally had to do everything. The last year he's playing with one of the most talented rosters in the country, um, just so, you know, that usage rate kind of went down. He became much more efficient. It showed that he is a smart player. So I think it's obviously huge for the Zags to have that leader in the backcourt now still. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Of course, today is 24 hours before the June 1st deadline for all players to sort of withdraw from the draft. So we still haven't heard any official word from the other Zags, uh, that being Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, um, and Andrew Nemhard. But um, all of them have sort of – we're getting close to figuring it out. Uh, They've kind of made some moves on social media – um, and of course, in this age, we all love to sort of speculate just based on who's posting what and when. So, um, Drew Timmy earlier he had he posted something like with Northern Quest that you know alluded to him possibly decla- uh, staying in the draft process. Uh, and then Julian Strother has done a bunch today. He changed his profile picture to LeBron James making the decision sort of alluding to him having to make a decision by tomorrow. Um, And then we both figured out that he kind of cleared out his Twitter. It looked like um, at least most recent tweets. So who knows what's going on there? But um, yeah, those three will be big to watch in the next 24 hours.
1: Yeah, Timmy's is, it's wild that, you know, I'm looking at this post here, and it's a collab. It's one of those collaborative Instagram posts with Northern Quest and, and him and himself. And he's, you know, he, he says right here. He goes, congr- uh, "It's from Northern Quest." It says, "Congratulations are soon to come, Timmy. You are a beast!" With three exclamation points. So you know that he really is a beast. And uh, <laughs> they say, "Your Northern Quest family will always cheer you on." So that surely you know has the mentality in the air of like hey you're out the door you're moving you're moving on past Spokane, you're going on to the nba you're on the league which is you know which is great for him you know uh we did t- get to talk a little bit um in last episode about his combine performance and it was kind of an up and down sort of sort of they will more of a down and up It started down and then finished on a really good high note for him um so you, you have to assume that the, at least how this post is leaning that he's, he's looked ahead enough and been like, Hey, I project well enough in draft, um, you know, whether it's a late second round, uh, maybe a mid second round, an undrafted free agent signing, he feels pretty confident about his prospects. Um, but he just had to maybe had to squeeze in one more NIL kind of deal before it was all set and done with Northern quest. So, and I, I don't blame, I don't blame it all for it either. That's, you know, get your money, brother. Like do that, do that all the way. Um, Strother. Yeah. Strother was on kind of a, was on kind of a social media tear here for a second, changing, you know, and the decision, you know, we think about the decision. That was a big change in LeBron's career, right? That mm-hmm. was him moving from Cleveland to Miami. So what does that mean now for and Does that mean a big change is coming for him as well? Uh, well, you know, we have in within the next 24 hours, we're going to find out. And then he was like, man, it's already May 31st. And he was tweeting on the stuff and then boom, he clears all of it. And so it's kind of like we kind of got like this quick little radio silence from him, but we know that he's going to, you know, and next in the next day, we're going to find out what these guys are up to. And it's pivotal for, for Gonzaga, especially in the guard room um, for Strother, because, you know, we also I think it's June 1st period with how it's going down nowadays. And nil and, and all this kind of stuff It that's after June 1st, you're going to see a proliferation of athletes also declaring or it's also like announcing where they're going to transfer to. Um, I know there's that one player from Chattanooga that's like quietly kind of under the radar, going to be a, a zag transfer perhaps. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, we haven't really heard much about guards wanting to come to Gonzaga. Well, well actually that, that's a lot. We have that. There's a Texas tech guard, but, um, but outside of that, we haven't really heard much. So it, it, it you know, getting Strothered back is that's still that, that's, a, that's the same experience that Bolton brings back to the program too. So uh, yeah, we gotta, just got to keep an eye out and, and see what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that Chattanooga player, um, Malachi Smith, uh, heavily rumored to eventually be a Zag, but just like the rest of the process, it's all speculation right now. Unfortunately, guys didn't make their decision uh, well in advance, like Razier Bolton and other guys across the country. So we'll keep an eye on that and certainly have our reactions and takes all on that for next week's episode. But we're going to shift gears here. Actually, well, there was another basketball thing that happened today. Uh, guy got lost in the shuffle. Uh, Zags versus Bears. Rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. In Sioux Falls, where we all expected it to be. <laughs> um, rematch the of basketball. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be the Zags second time playing there. They played Iowa there back in 2020, which coincidentally was when the, those two schools, Zags and the Baylor Bears, were supposed to meet up. Um, but of course that was during the COVID-19 season. So things kind of got thrown, uh, in chaos there, but they're going to be squaring off the regular season finally. So should be a fun one to watch. Of course, both rosters will look completely different from that game, but, uh, both fan bases still hold that game, of course, in high regard. So it'll be a fun one to watch December 2nd. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun. Of course, we're loading up on our non-conference schedule. As always,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: Baylor is also going to be a
1: totally different look next year, even from this past season. I, I know we didn't face Baylor this last year, but they were a totally different look. And I, I know Mayor transferred, um, and um, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. What's the name of the guy with the pink hair? Uh, Ooh, yeah,
0: he's he, he's like a really
1: uh, shoot. I should have that name locked in. <laughs> but, uh, but they have they like in, in you know in jest. Uh Baylor does Baylor has some really talented players who are going out the door for one reason or another. And we gotta see what they look like going next year. But it's you know it's gonna be a highly talented matchup. So I'm sure it's gonna be prime time ESPN game. Uh yeah, like you said, in, in beautiful and Sioux Falls is really pretty, but um in beautiful Sioux Falls. And I'm really excited just to see, you know, how these two teams match up, you know, two years after a champ, after the national championship game. Um, It'll be, I think, I think it will be a good like litmus test for both squads as far as like, Hey, like where'd they match up? You know, Mark few loves to have, you know, and and, and him and Scott drew both love having a really competitive non-conference schedule. So, um, so it'll be really cool to see, where both teams stand going into conference play after that. But yeah, that, that news definitely fell a little bit behind today, behind everything else. But don't 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 fall asleep on the on the Zach schedule for next year. It's going to be really, really tough and really, really fun to watch.
0: Yep. Oh, for sure. One more storyline to follow. I'm sure uh BYU, former BYU forward Caleb Lohner, now up with Baylor, is happy that the game is, is at least not in Spokane because uh, <laughs> we all know the last one went for him. But Mm-hmm. That's a fun storyline to keep an eye on as well for that game. So yeah. now we'll shift gears to the diamond. Um, big week for Zags baseball. They had the WCC tournament uh, just a few days ago over the weekend. They had three games. Um, they kicked off the first one, uh, of course, they had the first round by and they waited for LMU on, I believe it was Friday they played or sorry, Thursday. Um, absolutely destroy the Lions 16-2, to five zags, hit a home run, and um, crazy game. Uh, then they moved on to play USD in the semis on Friday, uh, despite having a 3-0 lead early on. Um, they just couldn't keep USD's high-powered offense off the board uh, late in the game. Uh, Toreros came back, won that game 5-3, which bounced the zags, down to the elimination bracket where they actually played second seed Portland, um, who also lost to USD in the first round, or I'm sorry, they lost to USD and then beat LMU. So they were still in that elimination area. Um, Zags beat them seven, nothing to face off against USD in a rematch in the championship game. They needed a win at least one to force a third game to decide the championship. Um, unfortunately though, they fell to the Toreros once again, this time in extra innings, uh, just back and forth, both teams uh, right from the get-go. We're putting runs up on the board. Um, Zag's like 10 to seven heading into the eighth inning, uh, but the Toreros just racked up six runs in that frame. Uh, five came against GU's out Gomez. Caden um, McGee had a solo home run with two outs, cut the lead to one in the eighth. Uh, then Ezra Sam Perry came in, RBI single pushed the game in extras, but uh, wasn't enough. USD had hit two home runs in the 11th inning. And that sort of just sealed the fate for the Zags uh, who finished, who finished up second in the conference in that tournament. But, um, would you think of the WCC tournament as a whole sort of a mix sort of back and forth from uh, the highest the highs and just coming up short
1: yeah I think the, the scariest thing about the entire tournament was ranking USD third in the conference going in and that just gave them that big old chip on their shoulder like because USD they are like that's a really talented team and even you know, and, and we, you know, Gonzaga won that series, you know, just a couple of weeks ago against in the regular season, but USD is, man, they they are some hustlers. They are some, they are some dogs, especially in, in uh, especially offensively, their lineup is, is pretty nasty. So, you know, they had that chip on their shoulder and they went and they, they worked Portland when they got the opportunity and they come up against us on Friday and, and also kind of, you know, prove that hey man like we're we can keep up with with a you know a top 15 team in the program comparatively at in Gonzaga so it was you know and then and then heading you know then we had to play Portland again and uh I I just I knew it was going to come down to us USD um on that final day of competition well what I did not project was that one game would take as long as potentially two games would have if we beat them in in game one but no they like that game was crazy to watch because, you know, the, the really cool thing about the Gonzaga's pitching rotation and their pitching staff in general is how resilient their pitchers are. Like, yeah, they can get down in these holes and maybe, you know, have a couple of runners on base, but they'll get out of an inning or they'll go up like a really big crucial run, but they won't it like, get to them too much. And they'll they'll still like kind of – they'll stop the bleeding really well. And then the offense really worked off that by then battling back and getting the Zags either back within contention or back with the lead. But USD was in the same boat. They were doing the same thing. Their, their pitchers, you know, give a huge bomb to – who was honestly like – there was an all-tournament team that came out, and I could not believe that Kane McGee was left off that – was left off that all-tournament team. The man, the man had three home runs. He was just lighting up every at-bat, was just electric. Um, But he was like my all-tournament player for, for Gonzaga at least because he always came up clutch too. And it was so fun to watch – both teams just battle it out like that. Um, it was I, I was exhausted by the end just watching it. So playing it, I, I can only imagine out there in Stockton um, must have been quite the uh, endurance race, I would say, for both teams. But yeah, man, it's 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 tough that Gonzaga kind of is heading into uh, the NCAA tournament and the the regional rounds off a loss. Maybe that's maybe now that's the chip on their shoulder that they need to propel them to a, a their first ever super regional. So. Um, you know, and now, and it's what's really cool. I think about it too is now that the WCC has two teams in the tournament, which um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, we haven't seen that in a couple of years. So we know, you know, and and, and USD, you know, we'll, we'll get into the tournament productions a little bit, but USD does not have an easy road, but either do we. So uh, look out next weekend. It's going to be it's gonna, or this weekend, I should say. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Going right off that um, the selection show, just was I believe on Monday um, mm-hmm. and much like the NCAA tournament for basketball, there's a whole selection show top 16 seeds got to host. Um, the Zags fell in the number two seed in the Blacksburg, Virginia region, which is hosted by Virginia tech. Um, sort of interesting. A lot of people thought that the Zags wouldn't end up in Corvallis, Oregon. Instead, it's actually going to be USD. That's the WCC team representing in that region. Um, but the Zags will play Friday, 10 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. They're going to host, or not host, sorry. They're going to square off against Columbia. Um, and then the winner of that game in that region will play either the winner of Virginia Tech or Wright State on Saturday. It's, of course, a double elimination tournament, so... Um, even one loss doesn't kill the Zags from moving on to the super regional, but, <clears throat> yeah, very interesting draw here uh, for the Zags in that region. We were kind of talking about Columbia uh, before we started the show and they the interesting season for them they won nineteen straight. I mean, they just absolutely ran through the Ivy League. Um, it's their first assembly regional appearance since twenty eighteen and you know, that 10 Lions were on the All-Ivy League team. Their head coach, Brett Beretti, uh, was coach of the year. You know, great season from them. And um, it will be interesting to see how their high-powered offense uh, matches up with the Zags rotation, who should be much more well-rested, um, you know, going through that three-game, three days of WCC play was probably a war of attrition by the end of it. But um, – It'll be interesting to see how they square off against one another.
1: Yeah. the This Columbia team is definitely one that is reliant on their offense to kind of push them through games. And it, it was a formula that worked for, like you said, those 19 straight wins that they had. Cause they were kind of like a middling team for most of the beginning of the year and non-conference and funny enough, their first or their first conference opponent was Penn, who was like the number two team kind of like them and, them and Columbia kind of vacillated between one and two in the Ivy league for the entire season. And they lost, and Columbia lost that first series to Penn and then went boom, 19 straight wins. I think lost a series to Dartmouth after that, and then had to win a playoff series against Penn finally to to claim their title and and claim an automatic bid, which they did. Um, But yeah, on the backs of some really solid offense, uh, you know, they have some really solid hitters like uh, Hayden shot who hit three thirty one this year with the team. High. Eleven home runs. Uh, Cole Hage, who's their first baseman, um, hit. He's more of a contact guy, but three forty three average. Also six homers though. Um, and they they feature six bats in their lineup that hit above three hundred. Hit, hit above three hundred this year. Now again, that's against Ivy League pitching, which I don't think is the same as fist facing. Gabe Hughes, Tristan Freeling, Kempner. <laughs> these guys like these are these are like top five round, top five MLB round picks this year in the amateur draft. So it's going to be a different look for them for sure. Um, as far as who Columbia could throw out there on the bump, they're not, a, they're not like an amazing pitching team. They don't have like quite like, a, like an ace, um, like a lot of other programs in the tournament do. Um, I've seen on Friday nights, they, they're kind of prone to run out a combination of freshman pitcher, Joe Sheets, to start for like four innings. And then senior Sejan May, who seems to be their most consistent arm um, to kind of close it out for as a long relief guy. But they also have this sophomore named J.D. Ogden, um, who's pretty good. I think he has, like, a 3 pitcher repertoire. I was watching a couple of his highlights. Um, and he's just he's just a good, consistent pitcher. So, um, you know, whatever look the, the Zags get, you know, we hope the bats stay hot. Because that was the one thing from the WCC tournament is even though Gonzaga lost to USD inevitably, they put up 12 runs. Like, that's yeah. really impressive, right? So, like, this is not a team that's lacking offense even, even in losses. So, Columbia's going to have to try to keep up with that. And facing something like Gabe Hughes, not going to be easy. So um, hopefully, you know that leads to a Gonzaga win, and then they'll face Virginia Tech probably, or you know, Wright State might upset them. Who knows? Um, but it's not going to be an easy regional to make it out of. But I actually think it might be a better one to make it out of than Corvallis because I, I do think Oregon State is kind of it's kind of a little bit of a Gonzaga kryptonite too. So um, and then also Vanderbilt's in that in that regional too. So that's a that's a crazy regional.
0: Yeah, Corvallis has, like you said, Oregon State, who hosts three seed, New Mexico State, they're going to play, uh, and then Vanderbilt and then USD. So, yeah, certainly there's no lack of talent in that region, but Zags, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, you know, Columbia offense, because um, obviously they 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 were able to hold off USD for a portion of that, I'm not referring to the championship, but in that first uh, tournament game and it just it's, it's for a team like columbia who like you said is six guys batting over 300 albeit against uh, ivy league pitchers that's still a deep roster um i mean even down to their catcher weston everly who he bats fifth most of the time but he went four for four in, uh, against army in their last game so certainly no lack of talent there they're pitching yeah it, it's interesting how they roll out so many pitchers um, on the mound you know, you know watching the Zags all year it's you know we didn't we never really saw that it was guys going seven innings um, and then maybe you know closer for the final two but they did well in the tournament they held Penn only one run or in those three games that Ivy League playoff series you know final two games two runs one run like um, for a Penn team that was you know off, offensively quite good as well so I think this this region is a good draw, just like you said, based on how Corvallis shaped out. And I think that was really the only other logical place to put the Zags uh, in the tournament based on how the WCC tourney went. So um, yeah, we're gonna make sure to tune into that game. Like I said, 10 a.m. ESPN Plus if you have it, watch it, wake up with the Zags. Um, it should be a fun one and we'll see how that goes. So. Yes, sir. I'm excited. I like, I love like
1: the first weekend, of like regional action of college base of the college world series is like, that's like on dang near on the same level for me as the first weekend of uh, March Madness. So I'm here for it. It's just regional baseball and you're just going to see some, some absolute dogs go at it. I'm ready for it.
0: Yeah, this is where true, true Cinderella's and underdogs come out because it's baseball. I mean, anything can happen. It's the most sporadic sport of them all where, Predictions and all that don't mean much. So, it'll be fun, fun watch for sure. Um, I think that was kind of yeah. We're we're at, at twenty
1: five minutes right now,
0: so yeah. Um, I think that I think that will do it. But I'll do the outro, I have to clear my throat though. <laughs> oh, I was going to. All right, all right. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Bulldog Alley podcast, episode five. Um, Asher, it was great. You know, talking with you once again, talking Gonzaga sports. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, keep up with the action guys, just like we will be. And we'll be back next week. Like always go ahead and follow Gonzaga nation. SI on all the platforms, Twitter,